if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 141. This is our 2020 RSM Classic and Joe Berg Open episode. Paul Williams joins me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's PGA and European Tour Golf. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How you doing? We're all right. We might be joined by Barry O'Hanrahan later. He might pay us a flying visit. Fingers but, uh, crossed. He's in a state of flux at the moment, so we'll see if Barry... Uh, arrives clearly it would be great if he does um this podcast is for listeners of 18 and above please be gamble aware you can visit begambleaware.org for more information and of course please bet responsibly visit our world famous golf betting system web system website with our in-depth betting previews masses of tournament statistics and our predictor models all available you've guessed it completely free of charge with no paywall please subscribe to this podcast and drive your popularity of the show we're available on social media. On Twitter, Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. I know many of you did over the Masters week, so welcome to new Facebook group members. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf, U- Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Just recorded the RSM Classic Show, which is out there in the ether. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Now, we've had an absolute influx with the Masters. It's great. Thank you to all of you. Um, I can't read them all now because we'd be here probably for a couple of hours. But I'm (laughs) going to read um, a couple. Uh, The first one is from Bobby Law, 59. He's in the United States of America. Thank you for your time, Bobby. Much appreciated. Title, Insightful Masters Primer, five stars. Great episode to preview. The much-anticipated 2020 Masters Tournament. Refreshing to hear... Data points and value plays instead of gut feelings. Here's to making some dollars this weekend. That was from Bobby Law 59. Brilliant. We don't go with gut feelings, do we, on this podcast, Paul? Or is that, was <laughs> well, that Occasionally. You, you haven't, you've not heard my tips for this week, yeah. Now, we've also had a review from someone who I... He, you know, he's a peer in the golf betting fraternity on YouTube, uh, on on um, Twitter especially. He does his own Periscope show on a Wednesday night and uh, he gets thousands of viewers uh, each week. He's been doing it for quite a few years now and it's our old friend Nagel's Bagels. Now he's taken time to write us a review uh, entitled Americans and Euros Unite! Exclamation mark. Five stars, greetings from the United States. As somebody who takes my golf content very seriously to prepare for my own golf show, I would put this golf podcast as a must-listen as you prepare your picks for the week. Steve and the boys do an outstanding job on course previews and correlations, 
course history, recent form, statistics, and market value. It is a very professional product and not the amateur hour you may be used to. Plus, you get that nice European flair that just convinces you they know what they are talking about, even when they pick Paul Casey at majors. Great work, chaps, and keep it up. That's from Nagels Bagels, who we know is in New Jersey. New Jersey, United States. As I say, follow at Nagels Bagels on Twitter. He does his uh, Periscope show each and every Wednesday. I think it's 8... Uh, what is it? 8 o'clock Eastern time, so 1am over here in the UK. But uh, he also he always puts the show up on Twitter uh, as a rerun, so you can always watch it on a uh, Thursday morning. Brilliant, brilliant for DraftKings content for you. Very good. Yes, and thanks, thanks, Bobby, and thanks, Nagels, for your um, your feedback. Very much appreciate. Paul Casey, hey, that was almost a uh, prophetic um, comment because that that came through um, just when Casey was uh, was tearing it up at the Masters last week for, <laughs> for eighteen holes. It did. It pinged through as Paul Casey was going nuts yeah, in the first round have, before he's in a net before his inevitable um, backward charge down the leaderboard. Yeah. Did have a did have a giggle at the time that it uh, it seemed quite uh, quite apt to to see his name in there, but yeah, alas, Paul Casey couldn't hang on for his backers, could he? But, you don't mean that, alas, at all. <laughs> alas. You don't mean that in the slightest. Yeah. No, I've actually no. I've actually added you you mentioned to this to me off mic. I've actually added because I have a um, I have a don't back at majors list. Paul mm. Casey now firmly um, entrenched. I'm I'm now going to add another player to that, Paul. Oh, go on then. Bubba Someone Watson. let you down last week. Bubba, Bubba. Watson. Oh, yeah, until the next time, Steve. I can't until. have him, Paul. It's you. <laughs> it's you every time. I've got to have Bubba. Bubba's Bubba's hitting greens. Bubba's strokes gain numbers are through the are through the charts. Yeah. I, I, I and do you get... back him at a major, and it's uh, mud ball, mud ball. Yeah, he wasn't happy, chap, was he? Nah, the, the mental, the brain just fried, didn't it? He started okay. I think he was two under through six. You're thinking, good work, Bubba. And then it's all of a sudden, I think he had a mud ball on thirteen or something, and it was just, it was just, it was poor from that point on. The body language just oh. wasn't right, was it? And so that was a beauty of that. That Masters app, you could you could go back and look at Every all this shot. stuff, couldn't you, and oh, uh, and see exactly what was going on, and uh, you know the sh- the shoulders were shrugging, and the you know the gesticulations were were there right from the outset, and uh, it, it was just you know you, you could tell from the, the minute those uh, bogeys started coming in on Thursday that it just wasn't going to happen, and it's a shame really because he was playing some cracking stuff leading up to the. Uh, I think he he was two under. Then then he had a mud ball or something. Always one under or something like that. And then he had a mud ball on thirteen apparently, and he didn't make the birdie. And from that point on, it was didn't he go bogey bogey double? Yeah, on yeah, three consecutive holes. Game over. Game over straight away. Eject. So yeah, Paul Casey and Bubba, Hmm. they're there. That doesn't mean so I won't back Bubba like I do every year at Travellers. That's a major. That's a major. And do you know what? If if Bubba's playing half decently and he's a seventy to one shot for a top ten position next year at the Masters in in April, I might take him. I thought you just said you're never going to back him at a major again. I'm already talking myself out of it. Aren't I? 
<laughs> rip, rip that post-it note up. No, I think I, I do get a little bit carried away with um, how I interpret Bubba Watson's form. I, I do admit that, Steve. So, um, I think apologies if I influenced you there. We're still living in the early. You know, we're still back in 2012 and 2014, 15 when he was one of the best players in the world, and now he can't. He's struggling to keep keeping the world's top 50 at the age of 42. So anyway, it's like everything. It's just a watching brief, isn't it? Um, Masters recap. Um, great tournament. Very soft. Uh, the weather was kind of what we said it would be. Course was kind of what we said it would be. Although they were, there was room. There was talk from players. I mean, I, I've categorised it as a bent grass green tournament, but there was lots of talk about the greens had a lot of Bermuda in them, and I've so you had kind of. A Bermuda base coming out through the through the bent grass top of the greens. Over it was all very strange, very November like. Mm. Yeah, Clearly. I mean there were a few nuances, weren't they, with the the way it was set up, um, with the, with the grasses that and the Bermuda grasses in the rough and uh, fairway as well, which they would have expected ordinarily to have died away by this time of the year. And clearly, it was the, still there. Yeah, it was yeah. still warm, wasn't it? And uh, you know that that and the rye grass and. Um, the, fir- yeah. the first cut looked like it was over two inches. It in, was, yeah. In, it was in fact, thicker, it was quite lush it? in spots, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little bit thicker. But, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And it, it felt a bit odd, as you, you know, I expect everyone kind of appreciated with the lack of yeah. lack of patrons there. Um, what was even more odd was having the um, non-conventional pin on 16 on the final day, which I thought, thought was really strange. Mm. Um you know, particularly for the players, or particularly for the punters, rather, who backed the hole-in-one, because that's the kind of cash cow that's been delivering each and every year for the last few years, that pin position on 16 on the final day. And uh, the pin sheet came out and said they'd stuck it at the back shelf, which was just, you know, to tops off a bizarre year with another bizarre decision, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, well... We are where we are. Some impressive performances last week, though. I mean, you, well done to you getting Cameron Smith. That was a cracking pick. Do you know what? It? When he was when he was two back, was it on eight or nine? I actually started getting a proper sweat on because when yeah. when I when the round started, I had my usual. I guarantee he finishes in a tie for ninth sweat, <laughs> and then he bur- he birded the first. He birded a few of the first holes, and I'm thinking, well, actually, he's actually showing a set here. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually he showing that kind of scenario we were discussing in the podcast where he has mixed it in majors in the past and he's not going backwards here in any way shape or form he's if you actually when I walked clearly with the Masters app it was easy he had a real wobble the last three holes on Saturday and it was his amazing short game that kept the kept the card clean par 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 his way home Mm. that had been other players in some of the positions he ended up in with his approaches there'd have been a couple of bogeys in there um, so he kept the card clean and he and he started great and I'm thinking wow Cam Smith's actually keeping D, DJ honest here, but you just knew you, you know people that win the Masters like Tiger Sergio in the main apart from that Patrick Reed aberration they're in the they're either first or second in greens in regulation and and DJ was just he was just all, all over it wasn't he. Yeah, it's too good. Just him, all it? over it. He's too good. I mean, and the it, way that he the way that he closed it, you know, not even bothering to go in two on on 
13 or 15. It's just everything's under control here, guys. I'm not throwing, going anywhere. That that must be a little bit scary for some in the um, some of the pro golfers now. If DJ is mm. going to show that kind of mental fortitude in majors, yeah, there's a lot of maturity there, wasn't there? And uh, you know, he still made still made enough birdies on the way home to, to give himself that cushion, didn't he? And even with a wedge in his hand, rather than uh, being overly aggressive, so you know, clearly played the right strategy. Um, clearly. Played incredible. I mean, look at his stats. First for total driving, first for greens and regulation, first for ball striking. Fantastic effort. Fifth for scrambling, and he putted at one point six three. I mean, oh, he like, was he was yeah, he was ranked first for total driving, first for ball striking, first for greens in reg, first for all round. It was just dominant. Yeah. <laughs> He's now got twenty four PGA Tour wins, Dustin Johnson. He's level in the all time list with Gary Player. And of active players, only Tiger, Phil, and VJ have more PGA Tour victories. Yeah. If you look at it from an agronomy split, five wins on POA, six on a bent grass POA mix. So that's 11 if you total those two up, which is by far the most on POA putting surfaces of anybody. Six on bent grass now, and seven on Bermuda. Yeah, he just does everything, doesn't he? Yeah. There's no weakness there. There's no. He hasn't even got a weak putting, so it just doesn't matter. No, no. Very, very yeah. impressive. The only one he hasn't won on is Pass Balam. And well, he's supposedly, play he's, play, he's playing Maya Cobra in a fortnight, so he's going to be going <laughs> off about 9-2. to two. Oh, you can put that right then. Yeah. No, I was very, very impressed. You know, clearly, an emotional um, well, set of interviews after the, after the event. And, uh, yeah. Really good. I was, I was pleased with him. Ultimately, you know, we've looked at and talked about DJ a number of times in the past, and we've talked about how he's failed to put away major opportunities when they've presented to him in the past. But um, as you just said a second ago, perhaps that's a turning point for him in terms of his maturity and the way that he approaches and potentially adds to that over the next few years. It Corey Connors was interesting. I, again, you know, Barry pointed this out to me. You trying to warm me up? <laughs> you were on him the week before. Yeah, was it? Was it bogey, bogey, double, bogey, double? No, it was dub, bogey, double, bogey to end round three uh, to the at the Nim, you know, the Houston Open, and then all of a sudden at the Masters, <laughs> he's like, whoa. Yeah, well, he started slowly again, but then fantastic round on Friday to pull yeah. himself back into the. Uh, into the tournament, well, back back in the right side of the cup for a start, and uh, and looked really good. You know, take that first round away from him, he was, you know, he was absolutely flying, putting well as well, which was uh, which was strange for Corey Connors because he doesn't putt that well. He's fantastic tee to green normally, isn't he? Yeah, um, he has been yeah. putting a lot better. Mm. Um, going back to Dustin Johnson, mm. par four birdie or better, right? Second last season. So that bur- that powerful birdie or better streak stat just continues to deliver. The one that I can, of course, get rid of now is that no world number one's won the Masters since 2002. Mm. So we're going to have to come up with some new content. <laughs> and only, what, four or five months to do it? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah, so yeah, all in all, I was really happy with Cameron Smith. I couldn't have asked for more. In fact, he... No, way not. beyond my expectations at 80 to 1. I know a few of you were on him over at 100 to 1 and 100 to 1 plus. So well done for that. Um, 
and I managed to scrag Morikara and uh, in the PGA at thirty three to one, and Cam Smith finishing second at the Masters at eighty to one. So all in all, out of three majors, that's not a bad effort. No, no, good return, good return, better, better than usual. What should we do first? Should we do RSM Classic? Or should we do the Joe Berg Open? Why don't we do the Joe Berg Open, Paul? Let's start yeah, with the European why Tour. Why not? Why not? Joe Berg Open. Start of our three events South African swing that's been added to the schedule. Takes us all the way out to the Earth Course in Dubai, um, which will complete the season in three weeks or just over three weeks' time. So we've got the Joe Berg Open this week. Um, we go off to Leopard Creek. Next week, which we've seen a number of times for the Alfred Dunhill Championship in the past. And then finally, off to Sun City for the South African Open. So a bit of a change there. Normally we get the Nedbank uh, Challenge at the Sun City track. But this time it's the South African Open that will be held there. They're right. running that event in parallel to a new additional event that's running at the Fire Course in right. Dubai, which is adjacent to the Earth Course. Right. And... Um, for the final week that leads up to this um, to, to the DP World Tour Championship, so that means that players are going to have a choice of events to take in the week before Dubai um, to see if they can make it through to the top sixty and qualify for that uh, season end. So the, the European Tour have tried to make it quite an exciting finish to the season. Um, it will be interesting to see what kind of composition you get in terms of the um, fields for both, because um, I guess Wait. until that decision was made. The South African Open would have been quite a strong event, but I guess now um, a number of players will choose to go across and play the um, alternative track at the uh, Jamira Golf Estates. Did I read there were a couple of high-profile WDs from the player list for this? I've not seen specifics yet. I mean, you've got the likes of Morikawa, you've got the likes of Reed, who will uh, theoretically be there. Um, as to whether they are there or not, we should see. No, I was talking about this Joe Berg Open. I'm sure oh, I read on Twitter there are a couple of re- pretty big names that were meant to play this week. Yeah, yeah, Justin all Harden. All of a sudden, they just disappeared. Yeah, Harden was supposed to play this week. Um, he, was the, he was the main one, I guess. Um, of the players that were over in uh, Augusta, only Christian Bezwaden, who's come over and playing this week. The rest of them, who were in the field originally, have pulled out. And which is a bit of a shame for it, because you, you ended up then with what is pretty much a kind of stock co-sanctioned event for, for the kind of European Tour, uh, Sunshine Tour um, combination that crops up every now and again. Yeah. I guess, you know, this has been added so late to players' schedules, it's it's not surprising really. There's... I found it. This is Go from on. Mike Miller at Smart Golf Bets. Rob McIntyre, Justin Harding, George Coetzee and Tong Lee. Mm. Last That's minute right, yeah. WDs from the Joburg, and he's saying it must be to do with this the fact that they're going to run consecutive events in Dubai at the end of the year. Yeah, it does give you know, if you're close enough to the top 60 or inside it, then you could take the view that just spending a fortnight in Dubai would be more sensible than coming over to uh, South Africa first. But, um, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. It's, um, you know, clearly it gives players two options as to how they're going to approach the uh potential mm. qualification as we get closer to the day. But so uh, yeah, for now, um Joburg opens the um task at hand this week. Uh Bezwaden, who is the clear favourite this week now, um fourteen to one, Adrian Natagi twenty to one, Yost Loughton twenty twos, Brandon Stone twenty twos, uh Higos twenty fives, Arnaus twenty fives, 
Daniel Van Tonda, 25 to 1. Four wins he's got in his last six starts on the Sunshine Tour. He's going to be a popular mm. pick this week, Van Tonda. Absolutely yeah. smashes the, the um, form stats on the site this week. Uh, Matthew Jordan, 25 to 1, 28 to 1, bar those players. He's a pretty open affair, though. I mean, the names mentioned um, above give you an idea of the type of quality of the field that we've um, got this week. And, uh, you know, with the omission of those names that you talked about a second ago, it is pretty weak affair how, how do these courses vary between these lower tier south africa events so how does the how does the course in these courses in joburg compare to the next week the alfred dunhill are they very very similar no well the the leopard creek is a different track altogether they play it out by the um serengeti um uh, national park it's, it's a fantastic event to watch actually if you get a chance to watch any of it next week um, whereas the lights of Sun City are back to the kind of the altitude of uh, of Joburg, actually yeah. they they play out, play a lot of these tracks or a lot of the similar kind of location tracks out on the um, South African tour on the Sunshine tour. So, you know, th- these guys that are coming along and playing this week will have a lot of experience on either these tracks or mm-hmm. similar tracks. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I, I don't think that that many of them are at a significant disadvantage in that respect if anything actually they're probably at more of an advantage having uh, played yeah. in the conditions and the uh, and the kind of tracks or the exact tracks in the past but uh, i mean this this week we're playing at the rand park golf club which we've seen a few times recently um it was the one they used for the 2017 at joburg open the last time the event was played which was won by shabanka sharma um, 2018 south african open won by Louis Oosthuizen, and then earlier this year, the South African Open at the beginning of 2020 was also played here. That was won by Brandon Grace. Um, the differences, there is a minor difference, I guess, um, worth noting anyway, that when we played those previous three events, um, they were monster fields, typically over 200 players, up to 240 players, some of them. Um, and they played across two tracks, the Firethorn track and the Bush Willow track um, here at Rand Park. Um, all of those three events I've just mentioned were on those both both of those tracks. Today, or this this week rather, we're playing just at the Firethorn track, which is the longer and slightly tougher of the two. If you go to the site this week, um, there are two sets of stats for the Joburg Open. You've got the standard Joburg Open history stats, which is combined with current form. There's also a link on there to use for Rand Park form historically because as we just said a second ago there were some um, lower tier sunshine tour and big easy tour events held here at Rand Park in the past so some of the players in this week's field have got some more extensive history and form here on this particular track again just to kind of um, emphasize the point some of those events will have been played across both the Firethorn and the Bush Willow track so Note of caution, but even so, clearly it's on the same piece of land and uh, very similar characteristics. Uh, the track this week, Firethorn, is a 7,506-yard par 71. It is altitude. Um, typically, you can almost translate metres for yards um, at these kind of events over in Johannesburg. So that makes it around about 7,000, maybe sub-7,000 yards in reality. So it's not particularly long. Um, it's a parkland track, trees water um not particularly close to the fairways but they are in play and uh, as i said it is the tougher of the two tracks when they've played the but the combination of tracks in the past 23 under 1900 21 under 
were the three winning scores. So it is scorable. Um, slightly tougher this week because we're playing just the, the longer Firethorn track. But even so, I suspect we're going to see um, a decent score required, kind of mid-teens and upwards to get yourself in the, in the mix, I think, by the end of uh, Sunday afternoon. The temperatures this week, up to around about the mid-70s. There's rain and thunderstorms in the forecast. There could well be some delays. There could be some disruptions to the event this week. So we're going to have to see how that goes. Um, winds, 5 to 12 miles an hour. There's not much more than 12 miles an hour in the forecast this week. So um, that shouldn't be an issue. I suspect, if I were to put a number on it, I suspect somewhere around about 18 under might be the winning total this week. Somewhere in that bracket. Okay. Um, so yeah, birdies, make some birdies, attack the par fives. I mean, Jim, if you look back, we've got some stats from those three events that were played here that I mentioned a second ago. Generally, it's been short game and putting that's got the the winners over the line here. Um, right. It's a bit odd when you see the likes of uh, Louis Oosthuizen up there as one of the winners. He was he won the twenty eighteen event. He was runner up in twenty twenty as well. Um, just to give you an idea, Oosthuizen when he won hit 35% of fairways. I mean, that's very un-Louis wow. Oosthuizen-like, isn't it? You, know, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't expect him to, to win a golf tournament when he's when achieved those kind of numbers. 65% of greens when he won. Mm. Yeah, he got 74% of scrambling, which was fourth, and he was second for putting average that Just week. Putted well. the lights out. Yeah, which, you know, it's those numbers are all anti Oosthausen, but clearly he managed to get around in that particular week. And if you look at the other two um, events as well, Sharma and also Brandon Grace, it was more down to the performance on and around the greens to, to get the uh, to get the winning total. Um, bit of wet weather this year. I personally, I think that greens and regulation may be a little bit more of a factor. I mean, the, the fairways should be softer, um, you should be able to play more approach shots that are holding the greens, and which should put a little bit more emphasis on proximity. And clearly, you're still going to need to be putting well on these bent grass greens. Um, yeah, and as I say, I think if you're going to be in the mix, you're going to be need- needing to, to make um, a number of birdies over the course of the four days. So you're going to need to be getting close to that kind of 18 under, maybe maybe a little bit more, maybe 20 under, if it's. Um, if it ends up being quite quite nice over the course of the four days, but uh, that forecast is a little bit iffy, so um, remains to be seen. Um, yeah, other than that, I think there's you know we've only we've got those last three events to go on. Again, there's history stats on the site for the Joburg Open, but prior to that, they were played at different tracks. So again, do take those with a with a pinch of salt. Um, I've boiled it all down. I could have backed seven or eight here, to be honest, but I, I, I don't want to go too mad on this um, as we're getting towards the back end of the season. I backed four in total. Uh, the first one I backed, um, oh, I'm Paul, reliably Paul, informed. Paul, start with your long shot. Please start with your long shot. I thought he was a West Indian fast bowler, but it, it turns out he's a professional golfer. My long go shot on. then, Steve. Go go just on. for you. I'll, 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 do, I'll, I'll do him first. Break the habit of a right lifetime. Out of sync. <laughs> go out of sync. 400 to 1 I got on this guy. Whoa. Malcolm Mitchell. Malcolm can Mitchell. I, can I just say, listeners, Malcolm Mitchell is currently 270 on Betfair Exchange. He's been hammered on the exchange. <laughs> <laughs> They've taken three quid on him. Uh, yeah, it's um, four hundred to one. I got with him um, with, with Labricks yesterday. There's still three fifties. If you want longer prices, you can get two fifty, three hundred on him. Wow. Um, and he's a bit of a punt. He's a relatively unknown player, um, and maybe a new name to, to many of you listening to it this week. Um, 
But he has got two wins and 12 top 10s from 18 starts last year on the Big Easy Tour. And it's easy to disregard some of this lower tier stuff. You know, If you'd have disregarded Matt Wallace's performances on the Alps Tour, you'd have, you'd have missed a lot of big performances, mm. performances and wins from his early part of his kind of formative career at the upper levels. And... Um, you know, I'd I like to look through some of the uh, the lower tier form and see if I can pluck out the odd um, gem here and there. And you never know, it could be the one this week at a mad prize. Um, so yeah, two wins, 12 top 10s, 18 starts last year in a big easy tour. Naturally, he got himself some starts on the Sunshine Tour as a result of that. For his eight starts since lockdown on the Sunshine Tour itself, four top 20s, included in that was a fifth place finish, which is his best as a professional. Um, he shot a 65 to open on his last start on the Sunshine Tour as well. Um, so clearly not you know, quite capable mm. of mixing at that kind of level. And to me, this isn't a great deal higher, to be honest. It's not, mm. not, not a massive difference between this and the Sunshine Tour event. We've got a few stats on him, not a great deal, but a few out there which suggest that his long game's good, suggest that he's more of a green tee to green merchant. Um, but, you know, at 400 to 1, I'm happy to take a chance to see if he... Uh, See if he can produce something he's, that's. Um, he's playing nicely, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at the form line; it's it's strong and clearly comfortable in this this part of the world. And um, yeah, one of the up and coming South African contingents. So um, we'll see how he goes at a mad, mad price. Okay. Um, back back to normal now. Back to normal, yeah, yeah. Um, at top of the shop, then the player I, I fancied right from the back end of last week was M J Duffy. Now, if you're looking for him on the. Um, on the list of the bookmakers, he's spelt D-A-F-F-U-E, so you may pronounce him Dafu. I'm reliably informed it's pronounced Duffy, so let's go with Duffy for now, and if I get proven wrong, then uh, I'll correct that the next time I, I put him well, up in one of these podcasts. regulars will know, Barry's had Barry's put this guy up before, hasn't he, On in America? Yeah, Cause, yeah. Because he's one of these guys that's homeless, isn't he? He's basically got no tour, and he's a bit like a hobo. So yeah. he Monday qualifies into everything, or yeah, tries yeah, to. He's, he's, and he's particularly good at it. It's a sad story, really, because he started off, um, he turned professional back in 2013, and he, he was fourth on his first uh, Sunshine, his, his pro debut on the Sunshine Tour. Um, he was fourth in after day one, the following event in um, in Joburg, this, this particular event, the Joburg Open. Um, drifted away a little bit, but clearly started off particularly well and looked like he was a you know a, a potential prospect. And then not long after that, he lost his mother in a, a freak road accident and absolutely knocked him for six. He probably lost his way in terms of professional golf and did very little for the next five years. Um, no status, as you'd expect. He, he married a Texan girl and has been living over in the US, uh, but got no status. So as you said, he's been trying his hand at Monday qualifying. And as you know, it's a brutal process, isn't it? Even to get yeah. through to either the Corn Ferry or the PGA Tour events. Um, but he qualified through Monday qualifying nine from 14 attempts. So mm. clearly he's well capable of shooting those low rounds. I think when Barry put him up, it was for a first round leader bet um, from memory. And that, that makes absolute sense in that kind of context because this guy clearly can turn it on. For I a, think he put for him up at the Sanderson where he eventually finished 12th. Yeah, quite possibly. Which is a cracking effort. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rings a bell now. Absolutely. Well, from, from the, he, he was fifth after round one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's sixty-five he right in, in round mix, one. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's right in the mix. I mean, it's that that whole process. If you look at what he's achieved, twenty-second at the Workday Charity Open. It was eighth there after three rounds. So he's right mm. in the mix, effectively. Uh, yeah, Twelfth, as loaded, you said, loaded that yeah. tournament. Oh, it was. Yeah. 
12 for the Sanderson Farms, his fourth going into the weekend. So as you say, he backed up that first round with another another round after um, on the Friday as well. Sits fourth in the special temporary membership list in terms of qualifiers. So we know that Will Zalatoris has just made it through to the full tour as a result of that list. And he yep. currently sits fourth in that list. Just to put it into context, how he's been doing over on the on the PGA Tour. Mm. And clearly this is, a, this is a far, far, far lower grade than what he's been playing in over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're playing, playing and performing and finishing, you know, getting yourself into contention in proper PGA Tour events, then dropping down to the Sunshine Tour, back in his homeland. Um, and as you said, looking for a tour. Um, he became, became a father in August. Um, so, you know, perhaps that's going to focus his mind. Perhaps that's going to be the catalyst that he needs to, uh, to, to find himself a kind of a home for a year or two to develop his uh, game and, uh, and move his career back in the right direction. We shall see. But, you know, he could take care of a, a, a Sunshine Tour, European Tour card in one fell swoop this week if he were to win here. So, um, yeah. yeah, 40 to 1. I was quite quite pleased with that. I was also quite pleased with the price on Shabanka Sharma. I mean, it's far more obvious pick, isn't it? But he opened up at 40 to 1, which I, I mentioned to you prior to seeing any of the prices that I was expecting him to be amongst the top end of the market and certainly not on the second tier of players down in the kind of 33, 40 to 1 bracket. Um, the 40 to 1 didn't last, you must say, but 33 to 1 is still available right now. I took him with seven places each way at 33s. Um, and uh, again, the, the, the rationale for him is quite straightforward. He was the winner here in 2017. That was his first European Tour event. Um, he followed it up a couple of months later in Malaysia with another strong win there. Quite comfortable shooting 20 under or there or thereabouts to get himself over the line. Not much since. He kind of went off the boil a little bit. But since lockdown, um, or since an improvement in form following lockdown, he made six cuts on the trot. A best of 13th at the Cyprus Open. Missed the final cut at the Cyprus Showdown in his last start, but he's for three rounds of 67, 66, 69. Um, were no, there's no shame in that. They were decent. You know, it was, it was, again, it was a brutal format, wasn't it, to get through to the final round of the Cyprus Showdown. Mm. Um, he's playing some good stuff. And I, I, I was expecting him to be far shorter, so on value grounds, I'm quite happy to take Sharma and see how he gets on this week. And the other one, the final one, um, Scott Hend. I mentioned Hend on a podcast a few weeks back. I think it was following the Scottish Open where he'd been playing some good stuff. He'd been putting particularly well. Um, and I said he was one of the players that we should watch over the next few weeks. So I'm quite happy to put my money where my mouth is this week at 150 to 1. For a player who's won was he three times on the European Tour, eight times on the Asian Tour over the course of his career, he is well capable of getting over the line when the opportunity arises. So, um, yeah, at that price, quite quite comfortable taking a punt on him. I mean, if you look back at his recent form, 11th at Renaissance, which is the one I mentioned, um, did some putting performance there. 10th at Wentworth, which I don't particularly associate Scott Hedden and Wentworth. It was a personal best for him. But he was fantastic from tee to green. His scrambling game looked really good as well. Um, clearly found something with his long game, which should set him in good stead as he comes to the back end of this um, part of the season with a live chance of qualifying for Dubai if he has a, a good um, final two or three weeks here. Um, some decent form at altitude too, a couple of playoff losses at Cran-Sorcier. Clearly that's a short track, and if you look through his record, then shorter tracks tend to be where he's got his best results. 
um, ones that he tends to be able to try and bully. With the altitude this week, what do we make it? Six, nine, seven thousand yards. That's not long. That's right in his wheelhouse for, for Scott Hen this week, I think. And uh, perhaps he'll be inspired by Cam Smith's effort last week. He was talking about it quite a lot on Twitter last week. And we've seen um, with the Australians in the past, once one of the guys pops up and shows some form, you often get a little bit of a bounce with the, the other Aussies around the world when they come to uh, tear up. Yeah. So, so perhaps he'll uh, take some heart in that and take some inspiration and and get himself into the mix here this week. So we shall see. But yeah, just to just to reiterate then, um, MJ Duffy, 40-1, to 1, Shabanka Sharma, 33, Scott Hen, 150, and Malcolm Mitchell, 400-1, to 1, my four for this week. There were lots I could have gone with, Steve. Any any catch you all right? Well, I'm going to put... I'm going to put uh, you're talking about great short game, yeah? I've got three, actually. Um, you're talking about amazing short game. This particular player that I'm looking at, he was first for scrambling and eighth for putting average last time out at the Cypress Showdown. Mm. He was third for putts per round, and he is trending big star. I'm seeing a 10th at Valderrama, an 8th in Portugal. He's then got 46-34, and he was 4th in that Cyprus showdown. Oh, I know what you mean. Johannes Veerman, he was yes, very, this, very close for me. This very, um, very this talented American, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I put him up um, at the South... I put him up here at the South African Open at the start of the year, and I think he finished 13th, I want to say. Um, shot, shot a fantastic opening round, I think, and I got all excited at a decent price and then kind of oh, yeah. away a little bit. Seventh at last year's Alfred Dunhill, and then, as you say, 13th at the South African Open in January this year. Yeah. He's clearly... Yeah. Looks good to me. The other thing, the other two I'm interested in, and I mentioned one of them on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, is we're we're deep into race to Dubai country, aren't we? Here, we're deep into top sixty. Get into the big money event at the Earth Course at the end of the year, yeah. And yeah. I'm seeing two Scottish players who are outside that top sixty right now, but they're close enough to have a real realistic run at it. And they are yeah. both South African masters. One of them is David Drysdale, who I'm seeing as big as 200 to 1. And he's receiving some cash this morning. He's 150 to 1 if he wants seven or eight place, uh, seven places with Paddy Power. But you just look at David Drysdale's record in South Africa, and it's shockingly good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Third in, third in 09 at the Joburg Open. Eighth at the Dunhill, uh, Alfred Dunhill in 2010. Uh, third at the Joburg Open in 2012. He's got a sixth in the Alfred Dunhill in 2014. Uh, seventh in the South African Open in 2017. And then uh, second in the 2018 Alfred Dunhill. And it was noticeable uh, that that Cyprus event a few weeks ago. Uh, was he? Um, I think he was third at halfway and second after 54 holes down in Cyprus. Finished tenth in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was. Um, it, it's certainly been more prominent. You've seen that, particularly over the last uh, last month or so. Um, I think a lot of these pros, especially the older guys, they just kind of meander from week to week, month to month, and then they realise, well, actually, I'm only four or five events away from making the top sixty. Mm. 
Yeah, that's a huge payday, carrot, yeah. and that's a big payday, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Imagine if David Drysdale could get himself into that that tour-ending event. That's good. That's very good Euro. So I think David Drysdale's a, a good punt this week, a, a big triple-digit number. And I mean, if you want it to go top ten or top twenty, that's that's your lookout. The other the other uh, Scottish guy that always goes well in South Africa is Scott Jameson. Yeah, he's been popping up a little bit recently as well, hasn't he? He's um, yes. This is the other thing, isn't it? I'm starting to see him popping up on leaderboards because James is another one. He can disappear for months at a time. Yeah. His game seemingly can fall apart, or his confidence, or a bit of both. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely popping up. I mean, I'm seeing him at sixty-six to one in a spot. Um, I'm seeing him up still at fifties in a number of spots as well. And, and Jameson's record in South Africa is just incredible. Um, clearly he won the uh, Nelson Mandela Championship in 2012 there's a third at the Alfred Dunnell in 2012 second at the Volvo Golf Champions in 2013 uh, recently he's had a fourth at the Alfred Dunnell in 16 and a second at the Ned Bank Golf Challenge in 2017 I remember that 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 was the, the big money event isn't it the yeah, golf yeah, yeah. the Ned Bank yeah. uh, and, the, and back in 2018 December Alfred Dunnell third so this is it it's just full of top five finishes in South Africa at he the does moment, love it, doesn't he? He finds himself down in 79th spot in the race to Dubai. So a big week this week, and all of a sudden, again, yeah. top 60. We can we can get close to that big money event in the race to Dubai. Yeah. Yeah. So there's those are three that I really yeah, do I, like the look of. As I say, I, I couldn't put you off um, any of them, really. And uh, yeah, the, the, uh, Daniel Van Tonder, who I mentioned right at the start, winning four of his last six South African tour, oh, Sunshine Tour events was. was um, mm. Tempting. Marcus Armitage has been playing some nice stuff, and he's got some uh, some sneaky form here as well in the past. So um, I, there's there's a number you could make a case for this week. So, They've got uh, some real young talent at the moment, haven't they? The South yeah. Africans with yeah, Higo good... as well, Van Tonda. Mm. Yeah, there's some, some good, good stuff coming through. So uh, I'm looking forward to this week's event. I must say, it's, uh, it should be a, should be a good one. I've just about talked myself out, and it's my part of the show, the RSM Classic. <laughs> I feel exhausted. Getting into my David Drysdale and yeah, that's it, Jameson yeah. Yeah, just made a fantastic By the way, I wouldn't back I wouldn't back either on the exchange, personally. I would go fixed odds and just lock in the price and then and because neither of them can well, I don't think Drysdale's ever won on the European tour, has he? Or is it, no, it, it's a long the problem, time ago. isn't it? You you you're far more likely to get a return out of them as a kind of a backdoor top six or top seven um, and on take the Sunday. each way just yeah it's yeah that's that's the way I'm backing both um, fixed odds not on the exchange which can be with the way I often go right the RSM classic now we see this event every year Sea Island um, it's, it's like a it's the golfing commune of Georgia isn't it mm. Um, and you know Zach Johnson, Davis Love the Third, Matt Kuchar. Um, there's there's a whole list of them. Harris English, Pat and Kaziah. You know, they all live on Sea Island and probably don't pay a lot of tax. But um, it's a and they've got fantastic golf courses here on the on the Atlantic coast. They've got the um, Sea Island Performance Center, which is full of top top level coaching talent and a lot of players either use this as their home or they have a condo here or 
they just travel down here and get a lot of their practicing done. Now I've put a whole list in this week's preview of players that have got you know local links: Jonathan Bird, Brian Harmon, Keith Mitchell. You like backing Keith Mitchell, and shoot, he shoots mm. nine over, don't you? <laughs> JT the. JT, the postman, Poston, he's, he's going to be popular this week. Hudson Swafford's another one. They all live on the island. Um, and there's others that use it. Charles Howe third used to live here, and then he used it for practice, and he, he won this in 18. There's a lot of local links. Um, but then we've got this influx, because it's the week after Augusta, and guess what? Augusta, Georgia, isn't a million miles away from Sea Island. And... Um, there isn't a, a lot for the bigger players going on on the European tour in terms of events that's going to you know turn them on to play. So we've now got Hatton playing this week. We've got Justin Rose, Tommy Fleetwood, Jason Day, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry, the Open champion, Matt Wallace, Lee Westwood. Even Andy Sullivan's flown over for this, which I found interesting. Mm. Sullivan's walked off away from the European Tour to play the PGA Tour this week, so he must have got some kind of special invite or something to come and play. Yeah. yeah. So it's a stronger field than we usually see. And, you know, you can see that in the betting market. Um, Webb Simpson plays this every single year, tends to finish second or third. Um, he's been back to 9-1. to one. I'm not going anywhere near that. Um, you can get a bit of 10-1 to one out there with William Hill right now on Simpson. Bound to be a, in there somewhere, isn't he? But then we've got Hatton at 18s. Sung J.M. at 20s. Fresh off his second place at, at the Masters. Tommy Fleetwood at 22s. Uh, Russell Henley at 28s. Fitzpatrick at 28s. English at 30s. Jay Day at 33s with Louis Oosthausen. We've got the Wunderkind, Joking Neiman, 35 to 1. Straight off of his COVID... Um, Failures to play at the Masters. That was a shame for him. So he could come back all guns blazing. Shane Lowry at 35. I like Lowry. He's playing some good stuff at the moment, T to Green Lowry. I know Barry was on him for the uh, Masters, wasn't he? And actually, he was very, very high greens in regulation. He just couldn't get the putter working. Yeah, and it's unusual for Shane because he's a very, very good putter when he, um, when he gets going. That was his best Masters result, I think, though, last week. I think he was yeah. in, was he mid-30s or late-20s, something like that. Yeah, there's something percolating with Shane. I still think, personally, he needs to get this um, Open Championship defence out of the way before he can truly kind of free himself up. But, Be um, rid of it. Yeah, yeah. so he may, he may have another six months or so to uh, to go, but uh, well, nine months. But yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's some improvement, definitely. It's a decent film. Munoz, mm. we've, got your, your, we've got your darling boy, Corey Connors, Kevin Kisner... We landed here twenty-two to one a few years ago. Justin Rose at forty to one. Jason Kokrak, he was back to his putting prowess last week at the Masters. Two putting everything forty to one. And then local man Brian Harmon, and we got the po- the other postman Ian Poulter fifty-five to one. So it's a decent enough field at the top end. Mackenzie Hughes is playing as well. Um, so there's some decent value lower down as well. And that, that, to me, is a real angle for this. But we'll go into that in a bit more detail in a short time. The golf course is, well, it's split over two. We have the host course, which is the seaside. Um, the seaside course on Sea Island Resort, that plays as a par 77,000 
and five yards. It features Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. 12 and a half on the stim. I think it's going to play further than it has done in the past because they haven't had a lot of rain here. Mm. And this golf course does dry. I mean, we've, we've had years here where it's absolutely hammered down. And within a day, 24 hours, it's playing... You know, the fairways are rolling out quite nicely. Yeah, yeah. It's got an amazing drainage system here. Yeah, these coastal tracks often do, don't they? Um, I think it could be plenty of roll on the fairways this week. Um, and they are saying, where before it would be like 10 and a half on the stimp, the uh, the fact sheet this week's come back saying 12 and a half to 13 on the stimp. Well, yeah. That shows you it must be fairly dry out there, mustn't it? Mm. So we might have faster greens. It's a Tom Fazio redesign. So I've got on the um, preview available at Golf Betting System. Just type Golf Betting System, Golf Betting Tips into a search engine, you'll find us. There's a list of Fazio designs. There's also a Fazio variable, who's played best on Fazio golf courses over the last five years on our predictor model, which, of course, you can use free of charge. The greens here are large, 7,200 square feet on average. And the fairways are quite large, but they do pinch, um, which I find fascinating and we'll go into that again in a while as well the other course is the plantation course that's a little bit more inland it's more tree-lined it's more of a parkland course um it's an easier course as well it's a par 72 at 7060 yards they can take it apart um it played last year uh, as the seventh easiest on the pga tour uh davis love actually did a renovation job on this 2019 and they're saying that it plays a little bit harder. The greens are a lot more contoured. Um, but in terms of um, average score, it didn't make any difference at all last year, which was the first year they played it after the Wren. Okay. Now, this is what I like about this golf this golf tournament. It's the winning prices. Mm. Just the Just... names. Tyler Duncan, 200 to 1, to a maiden. Charles Howell III, 50 to 1. He hadn't won for, um, I think it was 11 and a half years. Yeah. Austin Cook, to a maiden, 90 to 1. Mackenzie Hughes, to a maiden, 250 to 1. Kevin Kisner, to a maiden, 22 to 1. He was 24th in the world when he won that. That was the year where he was absolutely just kept <laughs> getting beat. Finishing second, finishing third, losing in playoffs. And eventually he came back from China where he'd finished second again at a WGC and won his local event at 22 to 1. I was on him. Robert Streb, 2014, a maiden, 75 to 1. And we can go back to uh, uh, Tommy Ganey, two gloves, 200 to 1 he won here in 2012. He again, another two a maiden. So I don't, I'm not saying that two maidens are, are an exclusive list this week, but there's a lot of them. There's some juicy uh, prices in there as well. It averages out over the last 10 years at 105 to 1. Mm. Now, why am I chasing Webb Simpson at 9 to 1 win only? I'm yeah, not. It doesn't, doesn't sound like the game, does it? doesn't compute, does it, on, on the no. basis of that? Now, Tyler Duncan beat Webb Simpson by a shot last year, and Charles Howe probably beat web by a shot or two the year before but just I don't know there's also some trends here in terms of um, I've never seen a winner of this that I mean clearly with two of maidens as well I've never seen a player that's won another event on the PGA Tour that calendar year going on to win this so again another reason I don't like Simpson yeah. um, 
But the other thing is, with such juicy prices, this is an angle I quite like as well. Um, a lot of the winners here seem to be based in the southern states. So last year, Tyler Duncan, he lives in Florida, even though he's, I think, I don't know, he's from upstate, but he, he's based in Florida. That much is for certain. Um, Robert Streb was Floridian. Uh, Austin Cook from Arkansas. Uh, uh, Corey Hugh, uh, Hughes, I'm getting my Canadians mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Hughes when he won, he, he lived in North Carolina. Ganey when he won, South Carolina boy. Ben Crane, Texas. They're all based in the southern states. So I looked at someone like a Maverick McNeely, who was in the top 10 for strokes T to green in Houston, playing some nice stuff, decent putter. I could back Maverick, and then you think, well, he lives in Las Vegas and he's a Californian. It doesn't fit the mould of the winner. You know, so it, it, there's ways of putting... I don't know if they're the right ways, but there's name... You know, this game is all about putting lines through names, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's some stuff there that puts me against players from outside... I mean, Scott Piercy's playing some very nice stuff, but again, Piercy, Las Vegas man... There's, there's reasons not to back players just on just trends that we've seen of previous winners here. Also, we've got a situation here where winners have done well recently, but not crazy well. I mean, that's that's Kisner, yeah, okay, second at the WGC comes and wins this. That's why he was 22 to 1, I get that. But even with someone like a Tyler Duncan, Duncan had actually um, finished um, in September a top 10 on the Corn Ferry. Um, Charles Howe, he'd finished fifth in October at the CIMB Classic. Um, we had Austin Cook, he'd finished in the top 10 at the Web uh, at the Corn Ferry Finals in October. So there's, there's players there coming with a level of a top 10 result in a recent performance, yeah? So a level of confidence there. Yeah. Even if it was a corn ferry level, don't forget we're now in a COVID time where we're not seeing corn ferry players being promoted this year. But clearly, this was one of the earlier events in a lot of players' histories when they just joined the main tour. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes being another one again, but Hughes had finished uh, in the top 10 at the Boise Open on the corn ferry. Um, you then go back to Kisner, that second, and Robert Streb before him. He'd finished 10th, the outing before at the Shriners. So I like to see someone that's banged in the top 10 in the last five to six weeks. Not too much to ask, is it? No. <laughs> but that actually, from a price perspective, you're still getting players at triple digits that have done well, well yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're, 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 we've got a field, field that's of better quality at the top. Mm. Um, and I don't know about you, I just read some of these names. Tyler Duncan. Well, if you'd have said to me before this, before he won, what was Tyler Duncan? I'd said to him, well, he's brilliant off the tee. It's tons and tons of fairways. And guess what? He hits tons and tons of greens, but he can't putt and his chipping's rubbish. What about Charles Howe? Well, Charles Howe can be one of the worst drivers known to man. But when he's actually on it, Howe, he's pretty long and he's pretty straight. And guess what? When he won this, it was one of those phases. He was actually yeah. ranking in the top 50 for fairways hit in the mm. season he won it. Yeah. He was eating green. He found something, hadn't he? Found something exactly. in his long game. 
Exactly. So there we go. We've got two there, just tea to green merchants, effectively. Kevin Kisner's the same. When Kevin Kisner's bang on it, his irons are crisp. We know that he hits tons and tons and tons of fairways. So I get this picture here of players. You just want metronomic players from tee to green. The other thing is, a lot of them aren't long off the tee either. Um, 292 average Duncan last year. He was 143rd in the driving distance rankings. Um, we had before that uh, Cook. He's another one. At 148th, he ranked in the driving distance charts. Um, we had another one before that in terms of Hughes, not overly long off the tee. I don't think it's a bomber's golf course. And you can kind of also see that in the way that we break down the top 10 skills each week, or we drop down the skills across the last 10 years. Well, I've taken Kisner, Cook, Hughes, Howell and Duncan because it was 2015 when they brought in this two-course rotor. Yeah. Here, are the, here are the tournament skill averages. 41st for driving distance. Now, how often do you see that on the PGA Tour? Mm. It's normally, what, 8, 10? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bombers. Yeah. Driving accuracy, 10th. How often do you see that on the PGA well, Tour? But those, those two numbers have just been flipped, haven't they, effectively? Greens in reg, 13th. Proximity to hole, 10th. So people who can get their irons nice and close. Scrambling, 15th. Putting average, 9th. And if you look at it from a strokes gain perspective, across the same time period, bearing in mind they don't take strokes gained on uh, the plantation course. It's the 54 holes that they take on the seaside course. Strokes gained off the tee, 25th. It's like, whoa. That's normally single digits. Approach, 18th. Around the green, 26th. Tee to green, 9th. Strokes game putting 12. So pretty, it's like an all-rounding kind of performance. Yeah, so, certainly not one that's overly compensating the Bombers, by the looks of it. No, that's the kind of thing that put me off Sam Burns to, in a, to a certain extent, because Burns was tempting. He was 80 to 1, I saw. Yeah. But Burns, it's he is a elite-level driver of the golf ball. And he's hitting the ball 320, and he's... And he's relatively straight. But I don't know if the course really stacks up for him you know, on that basis. Um, I mean, Scotty Scheffler did well here last year. But Scheffler, again, is another one that hits it a long way. But Scheffler is ridiculously accurate. You know, he's up there with like a Dustin Johnson in terms of total driving numbers. Yeah, I think Burns is a bit more erratic. but So that's why I didn't go for Burns in the end. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going for players, though, that are consistent from tee to green and, and guys that have got top tens recently. That's kind of where I've come down with this. If you can hear my son, it's um, we're doing homeschooling at the moment because <laughs> we're in lockdown. I, I do apologise. Um, so I have gone for five. And in a way, it's quite an exciting week because there's some juicy options out there. I'm seeing lots of players getting well-backed this week. First one, Henrik Norlander. Now I've been I've been talking about Henrik Norlander now. It must be going on six months. And whenever I back him, he's awful. Keep the <laughs> that patience. Doesn't, that Steve. doesn't mean he doesn't that doesn't mean he can't win the RSM classic though. No, no, keep the faith. Um miscut, miscut, but he was fourth a few weeks ago at the Sarnison Farms. And actually, when you look at his results. 
The way that that guy plays golf is he hits a mass of fairways, a mass of greens, and then the rest of it is sketchy at best. Yeah, yeah. But that's the kind of profile we're looking for. That's your your Tyler Tyler Duncan mould, isn't it? You got it. Three of his last four top ten finishes have come on Bermuda grass. Here at Sea Island, where he was fifth in 2019. Ninth at YLI Country Club, the Sony Open. And fourth, that fourth a few weeks ago at the Country Club of Jackson. And his record here is second in 2016, 54th, 54th and 5th. He missed one cut. So a second and a fifth in five appearances here at Sea Island on the the seaside course. What is there not to like? There was 150 to 1 about him with Paddy Power. First show. As soon as they saw William Hill come out at eight places each way, 125 to 1, they instantly locked 25 points of it. So I've got him at 125 to 1 on the eight places with Paddy Power. Um, he's not that price anymore, as we're recording this. Um, I'm seeing him as short as 80s on Paddy Power. <laughs> wow. He's, he's been walloped. Yeah, yeah. Popular guy. He'll miss the cut. <laughs> um, another one that I like. Now, this guy is a second tour, second year tour player. I've never backed him before, I've all, but I've always... You'll, you'll know him as well because you put a lot of stats together for the predictor. Again, this guy is fantastic from tee to green. Great irons, great driver, very, very high greens and regulation kind of guy. Um, he actually made the Northern Trust this uh, last season. So he made the top 25, 125 in the FedEx Cup, which for a rookie is never a bad shout on your first season, is it? One top 10, four top 20s. But it was his results on coastal courses that made me really perk up. 47th at Mayakoba, 14th here at Sea Island, 32nd at the Sony Open, 30th at Torrey Pines. I remember that. He was third after two days at Torrey Pines, mixing it with the very best in the world. 11th at Pebble Beach, 6th at Coco Beach, which where they played the Puerto Rico Open, 33rd at, the Har- at Harbour Town. So he's never missed a cut by the coast. Then you look where he grew up. I think he grew up in Columbus, South Carolina, which is no more than like a 45-minute journey from the coast. Mm. Um, And he is clearly a local kind of guy, and his record on Sea Island is crazy. Absolutely crazy. As an amateur, he finished fourth, fifth, and second at the Jones Cup, which they play next door at the Ocean Forest Golf Club. And he went to the University of South Carolina. So he was involved in the SEC, the Southeastern Conference for Universities. And at the SEC Championship, which they play on the seaside course each and every year, he finished 20th in 2013, 21st in 2014, 1st in 2015 and 13th in 2016. So if you want a young, talented player that is kind of underexposed in terms of price, is growing in confidence on the PGA Tour in his second year. Bearing in mind, I think he was eighth at the Shriners a few weeks ago. Yeah, he was. And the Shriners was loaded, yeah? Absolutely loaded with quality. 17th at the Sarnison Farms, eighth at the Shriners. Yes, he missed the cutter, Houston. Couldn't care less. Um... You look at last year here on his 
he would have been, a, I think he's like his fourth or fifth PGA Tour start. He shot seven under 65 on the plantation. He shot a five under 65 on the seaside course. And he finished 14th. I think if you put him in the same kind of, if he's in the same kind of state now, with the confidence and the, the momentum he's got and just feeling comfortable on the tour, there's, I can see this Nee Smith chap getting right into the mix this week. Yeah, we certainly made a decent case for him, Steve, I must say. There's a lot to like there, isn't there? There is a lot to like. I know that there's um, one of the guys on the group. Did you see that post? He's backed both Norlander and Neesmith in this. On the exchange. and The, the amounts he wins is pretty crazy. I've not, not That's his only that. two selections right, okay. this week at the, at the RSM. Uh, Gedding. Is it Gedding Evans? Someone like that? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, that's who he's backed. Those two, Norlander and Neesmith. Um, he, by the way, he posted that after I'd put my tips up. Not that much in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> it follows you instantly. I, I, don't, I don't copy other people's um, tips or whatever. Then I've gone for Austin Cook. He's, a, he's obvious enough, isn't he? He's a winner here three years yeah, ago. Yeah. And again with Austin Cook. Hits tons and tons of fairways, and when he's in good nick, hits tons and tons of greens. And we know he's a great Bermuda grass specialist. Um, he's from Arkansas. It, you know, again, he's another one like Nee Smith, who's got a great, uh, a, a whole list of great finishes, top twenty finishes, both at that SEC Championship and at that Jones Cup next door. Um, another one of those. He's eighty to one. I got him at eighty to one with Paddy Power, eight places each way. Bearing in mind, he was second, wasn't he, two outings ago at the Shriners Open where yeah, he made yeah, yeah. the playoff close, with really Wolf close. and Laird. Uh, he made the cut on the number at the Houston Open, then he finished the weekend 60... Uh, what did he finish the weekend? 68-66 at the Houston Open, which was the seventh best in the field. Bearing in mind, he was playing or mixing it in terms of scores with the likes of Ortiz, who won... Dustin Johnson, I don't know if you've heard of him. Hideki Matsuama, Tyrrell Hatton and Brooks Kepka. They were the guys that uh, were, that beat him for, for scoring over the weekend in Houston. So he comes here with momentum as well. So I love Austin Cook this week. Another player I really like the look of who's a maiden. He's a, in fact, he was the, when I looked at the betting this morning, he was sh the shortest price maiden in this field, unless I've really missed someone. Doc Redman. Yeah. And in Doc Redman, we've got a player that's finished. Uh, he's had three top four finishes in his last seven appearances on the PGA yeah, Tour. Playing some good stuff, hasn't he? Very good stuff. Um, third at the Wyndham in August, Bermuda Grass Greens. He then shot a 10 under 62 at the Safeway Open to get a backdoor for a third spot there, which was the first tournament of this new season. And the one that really got me, though, was that performance a few weeks ago at the Bermuda Championship. Coastal, Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass Greens, short golf course. Lots and lots of wind on the Friday and the Saturday, gusting up to 25 miles an hour. And he was first after first, he was first going into Sunday so he, he played very nicely in the worst that's one thing I have actually haven't mentioned I do apologise 
we look like we've got wind on our hands this week. Not personally, but in terms of the forecast <laughs> for um, this tournament. Uh, Thursday, it looks like it's gusting up to 20 throughout the day. Bear in mind, I mean, it's not going to be overly cold, but I, the ball, I mean, it's 17, 18 degrees Celsius on Thursday and it's blowing 20 degrees, uh, blowing 20 mile an hour. Uh, 21 degrees Celsius on the Friday, again, 15 to 20. Saturday, it's gusting up to 25 miles an hour. And on Sunday, anything up to uh, 15. So it gets a bit calmer on the Sunday. But that, for me, is 54 holes in pretty, I wouldn't say tough wind, but enough wind that's going to upset yes. quite a lot of the players. They won't like yeah. it. It's going to make them think, particularly on a coastal track. It tends to be accentuated as well. So, well, especially be, if they're going to keep these, especially if it's going to be playing firm and fast, relatively. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that they might get the old hoses out if they need to for the greens. But they, you know, it's not as if it's not as if the guys here at this at these golf courses don't know how quick they can get those stimps in on this coastal golf course, isn't it? No. Yeah, it, it must be blowing fifteen to twenty here most of the time. Yeah, yeah, the thoughts are coming off the same. Redman, back to Redman. I just, I just, even if you go back into his um, amateur days as at uni, he had two wins as a freshman. He had one on a coastal golf course, the Kanpali Golf Club in Lahaina, Hawaii. He won the Kanpali Collegiate Classic. You know. A, a golf course which is literally next to the beach in Hawaii. And then he won the Jackrabbit as well in 2016, which is played on the Dunes course in Valentine, Nebraska. And yeah, Nebraska is nowhere near the sea, I get that. But you look, you just type the Prairie Club Dunes course into Google, look at the images and look at the golf course. It is an absolute faux links. It's, you know, it just looks just like a Lynx golf course with heather and all manner of fescue and all sorts of stuff on the golf course. Tilted greens and fairways uneven. And Redmond won there. It's just There's just this thing about him. It seems to me that just in his amateur days and just the way that his career is coming together and he's clearly gaining confidence on the PGA Tour and as a professional, he could be ripe for a win this week. And last year here, the first time he ever played at Sea Island, he shot 66, 65, 66 over the first three days. He was in eighth spot after 54 holes. He went out in the third last group on Sunday with Scotty Scheffler and the eventual winner, Tyler Duncan. And where Tyler thrived, Doc, through the lack, that lack of experience back then, because he didn't do any corn ferry, he literally... Um, got a special temporary membership, didn't he? After second at the Rocket yep. Mortgage, jumped straight, straight into in. this. Straight in, you know, two footed, no experience as a pro, and he was just learning on the job. But I think if you put him in the same circumstances this time around, and he got into the contention or in the second or third from last group, I think he'd hang around because you know he's just clearly feeling far more comfortable at this level. Mm. He's from North Carolina, by the way, so he fits that as well. So I've gone for Doc Redmond. And finally, top of the list, top of the betting. Um, he was the last to make my team. I was going to go for this route where basically 66 to 1 was my best, was my shortest price, and we just ride it out. But I just couldn't resist Russell Henley. 
No, you were on him a few weeks back as well, weren't you? From memory. 45 to 1 we landed him, didn't we? At the Zozo. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah played he'd well, didn't he? He'd finished third at the CJ Cup. He then finished fourth at the Zozo. And he currently sits 58th in the world official world golf ranking. Mm. Yeah, motivation. <clears throat> With the best will in the world, why are a lot of these players playing here this week? You're Justin Roses. You're Tommy Fleetwoods. Um, they're playing here, really... Because they've got nowhere else to play, um, they've got a they've got a PGA Tour requirement where they have to add new tournaments to their schedule. Um, and, and 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 you know, in the in in the guise of Fleetwood and in the guise of Rose, they're trying to find some form, aren't they? Let's be let's be honest about it. They're, they've had a year where they've struggled. You look at Hen- you look at Henley. I know he's he's short, but twenty eight to one, I thought was backable. Considering he was short as eighteen to one at the Houston Open, even though he'd never played the golf course, yeah. um, he has got an absolute target to hit this week. He's got this week, or in a fortnight, he's got the OHL Classic. Those are the two tournaments that Russell Henley has got to get into the world's top fifty for before Christmas. To get that Augusta invite to land on his mat the week before Christmas, and you'll see the photo on Instagram, yeah. To get into the WGCs, it's you know as well as I do. Getting into the World Top Fifty just opens the door oh, to yeah. every it's big massive. event, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. For the guys who don't make the Tour Championship, it's got to be the the target, isn't it, for the back end of the year? So why do I like Henley so much? Well, clearly he's a he lives on he lives on Kiowa Island in South Carolina, so he lives just up the coast. Clearly lives by the sea. Must play a lot of links golf in his practice rounds. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he nips down to SEC quite regularly to the training centre as well. It's only probably um, an hour's drive. And then you just look at his record. 2010 South Eastern Conference Championship. He won it as an amateur. He played for the University of Georgia. Okay. He then backed that up in 2011, finishing sixth. And then on his PGA Tour visits here to the RSM Classic, he's finished fourth in 2014, sixth in 2015, and 10th in 2016. So six appearances, three top tens, and he's he's earned £573,000 in RSM prize money on this golf course. There's not a lot not to like, really, is there? No, no, no. He's been playing some good stuff as well, hasn't he? That much is clear. Seventh at the Workday, ninth at the Wyndham, eighth at Northern Trust, third at the CJ Cup, fourth at the Zozo. He has jumped, since the Travellers' Championship in June, he has jumped 130-odd spots in the official World Golf Rankings. And he, you're now saying to him, Russell, it's probably one of the most favourite golf courses of that you play. You've had success here. You've won here as an amateur. You've had top uh, top ten finishes here galore, and by the way, Russell, if you can get a top, if you can win this week or get a top two, top three finish, you're going to be right on the world cusp of the world's top fifty, and you're yeah. going to. It's it, it's just it's 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 just black and white. It's clear. It's a target, isn't it? Yeah, go out and perform, boy. 
Go out and perform. Just go out and do what you've been doing, tee to green. You're one of the best tee to green games players on the planet right now, Russell. Try and get a few putts to drop because that's been your weakness. Bearing in mind that when you look at his record here, he's actually got some very stro positive strokes gain numbers on this mm. golf course. Just go out there and play your game, Russell, and you, you're going to be there or thereabouts. It's true, I think. So, yeah, I, I put Henley in at the top. So, Henley, Redman, Austin Cook, Matt Neesmith, and Henrik Norlander. Those are my five for the RSM Classic. Who do um, who who do you like this week? Well, I've only backed one so far, um, but I'm quite excited about him. I must say, oh, yeah. yeah. I, and listening to a lot of your rationale, it kind of fits in with um, the bulk of it as well, because he is a um, he's a maiden. Um, this track here was the scene of his best PGA Tour finish back in 2017 behind. Uh, behind Austin Cook, he shot a 62 that day. Oh, no, he's also shot a 64, and he's shot a couple of 65s. Go and go, see if you can get to it by the time I'm Oh, I know it is already. <laughs> That's the beauty of him there. You've gone for JJ Spawn. JJ Spawn, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so he shot I was 62. On him a few outings ago, Spawn. Yeah, he's, been, he's been playing some good stuff, yeah. He has been playing some good stuff, yeah. Mm. So, so, yeah, going back JJ to that, he, he shot 62. Got, what price you got on JJ? Three hundred and fifty to one. Jesus. <laughs> no. Well, I'll start again. Twenty seventeen, the scene of his best PGA Tour finish when he finished second here to Austin Cook. He shot a sixty two that week. Mm. Um, in his other three appearances, he's also shot a sixty four and a couple of sixty five. So he gets on with the track. Um, he's got a couple of pro tour or pro wins, but um, not at PGA Tour level, which kind of fits in with what you were talking before. Um, flashed some form at the Safeway Open. He was ninth there. And again, tying into your assertion about Tita Green, he was second for driving accuracy, uh, sixth for Green's regulation, and fifth for strokes gained Tita Green that week. Uh, 56 for the Corrales after that, um, which wasn't so good, but he shot a second round 67, which was one of the better rounds of the day. And um, to top it all, he welcomed a new daughter into the world, Saturday just gone, mm -hmm. and uh, celebrated that with a sponsor's invite into play this week. So... Late into the field, new baby, um, likes the course, mad price, stranger things have happened. I'm quite happy to take 351 about JJ Spawn and see what occurs this week. So yeah, he's the only one I've backed so far. I, I, and the ones that caught the eye, Streelman, uh, Will Gordon caught the eye, James Hahn. I may well have a little bit of action on some of those guys because, they, again, price-wise, they kind of fit in with the... Uh, the numbers you were talking about before, but uh, right that's now the that's stands. the beauty though. This week, it's like it's like a finger food buffet. It's all in play. Yeah. You you can go as deep as you want if you can find yeah. a rationale oh, yeah. for it. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of money for Pat and Kazai this week. I've seen a lot of people mention him as well. So there's some juicy, yes. juicy bigger prices. I um I was I I I actually said to Barry on Friday doing my prep that Pat and Kazai was one that I would put in. But the only mm. thing I do not like about Kazai. Bear in mind, he has one here again in the SEC, I believe. Um, he just isn't straight enough off the tee. Mm. It's his driving. He struggles. He's always struggles with the driver, yeah, yeah. Kasaya. 
which That's yeah, doesn't the really fit with, yeah doesn't really fit in with the, the the angle that you've approached it at. But uh, but yeah, there's certainly yeah. been some good money from this uh, last day. Yeah, so. I wouldn't be surprised in there. Stuart Sinks, another one. He's been playing some awesome golf. He's he's available at three numbers. You have got Harry Higgs. There's so many. There's so many you could have a punt on this week. Mm. It's one of those. Yep. Yep. A, a, a Even G Max's been showing the odd. G Max's been showing the odd spark recently, and he's out yeah, on yeah, one hundred and fifty to one. Yeah, he, he likes a coastal test, doesn't he? Bit of mm. wind. Absolutely. Well, that's us done. I think Barry couldn't make mm. it, so um, that's a shame. Um, I think he's still he's still depressed from his Masters bets. <laughs> Aren't we all? Mm. No, it actually, wasn't too bad, was it? it wasn't too it wasn't bad. Too bad. But uh, I hope your uh, picks go well at the um, yeah at the Joe Berg. Yeah, yeah. Best of luck for yourself. Uh, this is the second last tournament on the PJ Tour. I just would love. I've been banging crossbars and posts as of you. It'd be great for both of us just to snare a winner before we disappear into the December uh, the December fog. It'd be lovely. Would be nice. Yes, would be very nice. Thank you for your time, Paul. Thank you yep, for your cheers. efforts as ever. Best of luck. And uh, thank you to all the listeners. Five-star reviews. Always, always up for five-star reviews. If you could spend 25, 35, 45 seconds just clicking on the five stars and writing a review for us, we'd really appreciate it. It just helps to keep the momentum of the, the growing download numbers. I mean, we had our best ever masters record numbers on the downloads. So thank you to everyone for listening. And that, those five-star reviews are a great... great uh, one of the reasons why it's happening because you know it just helps with the algorithm and getting getting the podcast um, far more in the general public's eye. So thank you to everyone that uh, gives us those five star reviews. We will see you again in a fortnight um, because there is I don't know we might just do it. You've got an event next week. Yeah, we, we could squeeze. I think we'll just yeah we will do a podcast. We'll do a podcast next week. It will just be on the European tour. So we'll be back next week for that, and we hope that your bets go well. Goodbye. <laughs>